0: Hey everybody, happy Father's Day everyone. I am so glad that you're here. Happy Father's Day, happy Father's Day, happy Father's Day. Welcome to church. Glad you could make it. Grab your Bibles if you would. Matthew chapter seven is where we're gonna spend time today as we wrap up our series called Kingdom Builders. Somebody say Kingdom Builders. Kingdom Builders. All about building the kingdom of God. It's been a pleasure in this series. It was all started by... a by simple rhema from uh, Ecclesiastes chapter three, where it says this, God has set eternity in the hearts of men. God set eternity in your heart. That means that there is a divine sense of something more inside of each and every person that God has put upon this planet. There's always something more. It's that sense of purpose that drives us to get up in the morning. It's that sense of eternity, the sense of longing for something bigger than just our lives. It's a a drive to not just exist, but to build something. God has set eternity, something bigger than you, inside of your heart. And here's the thing. Until you know who set that purpose, that divine sense of eternity in your heart, you will spend your time building a kingdom that ultimately makes no difference. The biggest waste of my life is to spend my time building a kingdom that doesn't matter. It's a foolish thing to build my kingdom, but it is a powerful thing to build the kingdom of God, to use my life to build something that matters, something that lasts. So Jesus had and and God's word has a lot to say about what we build and how we build. It talks about that sense of eternity and that purpose and how we build that. And God is very, very clear through his word. Jesus was very, very clear through through his parables about what our lives were supposed to be about and how to advance and build the kingdom of God. So in Matthew chapter seven, I wanna just pick up and read through a few verses here. And uh, starting in verse 24, it says this. Everyone who hears these words of mine, I wanna stop right there for just a moment and make sure you recognize who is saying this. If you have a paper Bible, these words are probably written in red. If you have the red letter edition, this means that Jesus Christ himself is saying this. Anytime that you see something in red, this is coming from the man. It's important that we take notice to what Jesus is saying. And he's speaking specifically about the words that are coming out of his mouth. He says this Anyone who hears these words of mine and then puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Then he, he compares and contrasts it with a foolish builder. He says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Let's take a moment and pray over what we just read. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, your word is timeless and your word is true. Your word is life to those that hear them. It's health and it's hope, it's encouragement. Your word is so amazing. And I pray that today, Lord, that you would open up our hearts to receive from your word. Lord, let it be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Lord, let us hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you. In Jesus' name, everyone said together, Amen, amen. For those of you that are joining us online, welcome, happy Father's Day to you. I want to just, uh, I want to remind you of a couple things, and that is uh, that we love you. We think that it's awesome that you're tuning in, but hey, if you were here, I'm just telling you, it's nice to be here. We miss you. We miss you, even you. So get off your beanbag and come here and sit in a nice great chair. Welcome to church. All of those that are tuning in from all over the world, welcome. I want to talk to you about what you're building. If you've, uh, if you've ever had the, uh, the headache slash joy of building your own home, um, you know that there are a million things, there's a million ideas that, that come to your head, and then uh, you want to do so many awesome things to make your house great until you see what it costs, right? And then you realize, like, we are poor people. We cannot afford all the things that we want. We call this having a champagne taste on a beer budget. I can say beer, we're not Baptists. Yeah. But we want so many amazing things, but when it actually comes down to it and when you realize what they cost, you might have a different, uh, a different outtake. Like, wait a minute, that, that's kind of ridiculous. We can't have a pool inside of every bathroom. That's probably, that's probably only on Minecraft. For, the, <laughs> for those that are 20 and under, everyone else But here's the thing, uh, when you're building your house, or as Jesus is referring to a house, he means a life. When you're building your life, there's a lot of cu- cutting corners. There's a lot of things that we do because it's cheaper. It's easier. It's just, it's just better this way so we don't have to pay for it or we can, we can kind of fudge on that. I, I learned this in, in construction that paint covers over a multitude of mistakes. Somebody say Amen. <laughs> Paint covers a multitude of mistakes. Cuts, cuts, covers over a lot of the, the cut corners. And, you know, we do this with other parts of our lives. We'll, we'll cut a few corners because things get, you know, things get expensive or they get tiring, or you're like, ah, just get it done and we'll just, we'll, we'll figure that out later. There's things that we do all the time that make us realize later on that was probably not a good idea. Like getting a cheap tattoo. Some of you, are like he's already stepping on my toes. He read my email. I have a saying about tattoos and that's this. Good tattoos aren't cheap and cheap tattoos aren't good. It was only 10 bucks and it looks like it's 10 bucks. It started out as a rose now you got a garden and it's not in the same place. It was a butterfly that turned into a dragon real quick. That $30 tattoo was cheap and it ain't good. You know the difference between several things, you can just you can feel the difference when you hold it if it's made out of plastic If it's made out of something cheap, you're like, man, it may look good. It may look good on camera, but practically, this is not going to last very long. Case in point, toilet paper. Sometimes you just got to pay for quality. Somebody say amen. Amen. You don't cut corners on those things. No, 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 no. Don't cut corners on your tattoo. If you're going to get a tattoo, spend the money, do it right, get you something that will last. Hopefully, it'll be in the place that that you think it should be. For at least a period of time. I speak from experience, don't do it. Toilet paper is the same way, like it. Just because it says toilet paper it doesn't mean it's meant to be used. Oh. What are the things that you cut corners on? Things that are just cheaper. And when Jesus talks about what we build our lives on, he says there's a sure foundation. There's a sure foundation, and the foundation is not just hearing his word, but applying his word, and this is the difference that we have in Christianity, like the Bible says it should be, following after Christ, and the American version of Christianity. The American version says, I can just come to church. That's all I need to do. I pay my tithes. I get a little bit of the word. Things are great. I gave God back my day, but Christianity itself says it's not good enough to hear it. You have to apply it. And make sure that we see this. Both builders, whether you're wise or whether you're foolish, had to walk through a storm. And storms expose foolish foundations. Storms expose cut corners. Storms will expose what your life is built on. They have a way of exposing the faults. What's your life built on? What does it look like? if God's put that sense of eternity inside of your heart and Jesus is saying that sense of eternity and and what you wanna build on has to be built around the, 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 the authority of God's word, then can we honestly take a look at our life and say, my life is built on the practical application of God's word or my life is built on what I think is smart. See, the wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. Us on our best day with our smartest ideas pales in comparison to the wisdom that comes from God's word. And there's only one sure foundation, that's his word. So when we were first building this church, we remodeled this from a gym. This used to be a basketball court and some classrooms there. Um, They were coming in to put in this platform here. And one of the things that I'd asked for when we built, I was like, I don't want to cut corners on the platform. Because normally, platforms are built out of some truss and some plywood. That's all great. When you put some carpet over it, it looks great until you start walking across it. And one of the things that we had in our old worship center was a stage that would creak constantly. Every time you take a step, and I knew exactly where it was. I could step right here, but if I stepped one inch farther, it'd be... Yeah. And it'd be... Yeah. So you had this little sweet spot that you could preach in from here to here, and that's all you get. And I said, please, if we're gonna spend money, let's spend money on concrete so that I can walk across the stage and not have it just distract me. Like, oh, you're being bougie now. (laughs) Like, you don't understand. You don't have to stand up there. It it matters. It matters to me. And so they came the day to pour the concrete, and I said, hey, before you pour the concrete onto that platform, there's something that I wanna make sure that we do. And so they called me that morning, said, we're about ready to pour the concrete. Um, What would you like to do? And so I had a Bible that that I had retired. This was an old, old, old Bible. And I said, I want to put that Bible right here in the foundation of where I stand every Sunday morning, right here. Because I want to make sure that I remind myself that when I step behind this pulpit, that I'm literally standing on the word of God. This is the only thing that will help people. It's not my sense of humor, not my ability to communicate, not my greatest and most awesome attributes. Only the word of God speaks life and health and hope into people's lives. I want to be standing on it every single week. That matters to me. What's your life built on? What is your ministry built on? What is your family built on? God has put a sense of eternity in your heart. Something, something longs to build something that will last. And if you don't know who put that sense of eternity into your heart, you will spend your life building things that just don't matter. If you don't understand your sense of purpose, I promise you, you'll spend your life serving someone else's. There are plenty of people that would love for you to spend your life building their kingdom. Only God's way offers something different. We cannot cut corners when we're building the kingdom of God. Because building God's kingdom, let me say it this way, it's never cheap and it's never easy. As a matter of fact, it costs the Father the blood of his Son. Jesus gave his life for this. And if you're gonna build the kingdom of God, you have to understand on the front end that God's not pulling some kind of bait and switch with you. Saying, oh, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I'm going to give you a rest, and you never have to work again. Like, that's, that's not true. As a matter of fact, that's going to cost you all that you have. And there's a process that the Lord works inside of each of us called sanctification by which he pulls things out of our life that don't belong. Things that you thought you couldn't change. Things that you thought you would never be able to get over. Things that you thought you couldn't let go and God's word says, give me that, give me that. Give me that I'm gonna give you something better. I'm gonna give you my peace. I'm gonna give you my joy. I'm gonna give you my heart. I'm gonna give you a new sense of purpose. I'm gonna take that old heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. God, I can't change this. I was born like this. And God says, yeah, and be born again. Yeah. Be born again. Yeah. Yeah. What's your life built on? Because if it's built on God's word, it can't be done cheaply. And it won't be done easily. It's hard. It's hard to let go of things that we think are important. The things that are near and dear to each of us. It's hard to walk away from those things. But I'll say this. It's worth it. It's worth it. You know, foundations, Jesus talks about the importance of what your life is built on. That foundation, they're hidden until storms come. Until storms come. When a pressure gets put on, what comes out is more than just what you say, what you project in front of other people. What comes out is what was really on the inside. Storms have a way of doing that. And if you don't have the word of God hidden in your heart, if you're not practically applying the word of God, you're going to find yourself watching the worst come out of you in the darkest storms. And Jesus says, and this house fell with a great crash. Huge, embarrassing public failure. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about storms. The Bible has a lot to say about foundations. The Bible has a lot to say about houses. And as a matter of fact, when, when, the, when the word talks about house, the literal word House. it actually has four different meanings. I wanna explain to you a little bit about what the house that you're building, what that actually means and how it may be different than what you're thinking about. So I brought some props today. I'm not much of a, a prop guy, but I wanna hopefully give you a visual representation because we're guys and we're visual and this is a Father's Day message, so it is what it is. So on this table, we have four houses. Four houses. Four different meanings of the words house in your Bible. When someone says, I'm of the house of David, or I'm of the house of Joshua, or of the house of Levi, that means several different things depending on the context of what you see. And so I want to walk carefully over the four houses that you're building today. You may not realize that you're building four houses, but you are. Some of those are built on wise counsel that comes from the word of God, and some of those are built on foolish shifting sand. The four houses, we're going to start right here, on your left, my left, your right, depending on where you are. If you're watching on TV, I don't even know which side this is. <laughs> this first one, we're going we're to call this the house of my life. The house of my life. This is where God says, I've given you this, this tent, your body. Now, it's not just your body, but the Bible says when you take a spouse, the two become one flesh. Now, it's not just you, but your marriage. This is your house. You are responsible for building your house. Now, I want to make sure that you understand, whether it represents your body or whether it represents your marriage, you're still going to have storms. Whether you're building your marriage wisely or foolishly, you're going to have storms. Whether you've built your body into an awesome thing, whether you've put all the right things into your body, whether you've exercise every day, your body will still break down. You're still going to have storms. As a matter of fact, once you get past the age of 40, that check engine light comes on, don't it? Somebody say amen. You're going to have storms. Your life, your marriage, the house that you're building, it's going to have storms. What's it built on? Here's the second house we'll talk today about. When it says the, the house of Joshua, the house of David, it doesn't just mean that person's body, but it means their lineage, this is your legacy. So not just my body, not just my marriage, but my children, but my employees, but my grandchildren, by the people that I'm mentoring. This is the way that people will remember you, the mark that you've left upon the world. You're gonna build that wisely or foolishly. But either way you build it, your children are gonna to have to walk through storms. Your grandchildren will walk through storms. The people that you're mentoring, the employees that you have, the students that you teach, they're gonna walk through storms. And the legacy that you're leaving them, if it's built upon the authority of not just hearing, but practically applying the word of God can help them walk through those storms so that they don't fall with a great crash. Do you see this? So there's the house of my life. There's a house of my legacy. The third one, when it says the house of David, it doesn't just mean the lineage, but it means my society, my community. We're gonna call this one the house of Longview because they all start with the letter L, you're welcome. (laughs) The house of my life, the house of my legacy, the house of my community, Longview. You see, it's one thing for us to just live in an area. It's another thing for us to care about it, to care about our neighbors, to care about the city, to care about the progress. And no matter how much you care about your city, no matter how much it may be or maybe not established upon the word of God, it's gonna have storms. 2020 was a year of a lot of storms in our city. We saw people get divided along lines of race, along lines of political parties. We saw people get into each other's faces in our city because of the state of the economy, the state of our culture, the state of our elections. Storms hit our city. Did you care? Does that that matter to you? Can you take responsibility for what's happening in our society, in our community, and say, you know what, if I live here, I'm gonna leave this place better than what I found it. I want to bring the word of God to my city. I want to help people be established on the truth and the authority of God's word because I care about the storms that hit these people. I want them to see that there's a church that cares. House of my life, house of my legacy, house of Longview. And lastly, the house of the Lord, God's house. I want you to understand this. When King David sought to build a house for the Lord, to establish the temple, which God said, no, but I'm gonna let your your son do this. It says it moved the heart of God and God said, because you had it in your heart to build my house, to do something for me, he said, I'm gonna establish your house. I want you to understand this. When you set your heart to build God's house, he will establish yours. And the reason why many of our marriages break down and our children break down and the reason why our city gets in ruins is because we've neglected the house of the Lord. You can be living securely in one and neglecting the others. But when the Bible describes Jesus, his, his disciples notice that when he walks into God's house and he began to put out the, the, the people that were, that were making money, he says, you've made this place a den of robbers and, and thieves. This is supposed to be a house of prayer. He wants to clean up the house of the Lord because Psalm 69, verse 9, prophesied about the personality of Jesus. It says, zeal for your house consumes me, and the insults of those who insult you, they fall on me. That means I take it personal what happens to my church. I have a vested interest in that. The house of the Lord matters to me. I have a zeal for it. You can be living securely in one and neglecting the others and not realize that you're building on a sandy foundation. Churches fall all the time. Marriages fall all the time. Cities get disrupted all the time. You saw it in 2020. Bodies break down all the time. What are we building our lives on? You have a sense of purpose. You have a sense of eternity built, hardwired into your heart. And you're establishing and building houses or neglecting them depending upon your ability to hear and apply the word of God. Are you still with me? You're building a house. You can't cut corners. You can't just do it cheaply. As a matter of fact, in God's kingdom, he gets to to decide and set the rules. It's what he says. So when we line up what you believe and what God's word says, which one needs to change? God's word is very specific about what he wants your marriage to be built on. His word is specific about what he wants you to invest into your children. His word is specific about the community in which you live and how we're to care for those and and love your neighbor. Even the one that voted differently than you. Even the one that has a different skin color than you. The one that has a different background than you. The one that's a different religion than than you. The one that has a different sexual preference than you. The one that takes something so seriously. The one that doesn't even mow their lawn. Love. His word is specific about how we treat people. You're building a house and you're responsible for the state of your city. I want you to feel the weight of that because we can be living securely in our marriage. We can be healthy and things are going well and neglect our children. I'll take it a step farther because this is what I see happening in a lot of lives of great pastors. They have a zeal consuming them for the house of the Lord and they sacrifice their family on the altar of ministry. Well, I love God's house. I hope my children get it. I love God's children, just can't stand my own. Like, are you serious right now? You know, the Bible says that when God called Moses to lead two million people out of slavery, it says Moses took his children and he sent them back to his father-in-law and says, I've got to handle these two million people right here by myself. And it says, God sought to slay Moses. How dare you? God says, I'm gonna kill you. Why? For farming out your family and thinking that that was what I asked you to do. You're responsible for your children. You're responsible for your marriage. You're responsible for your community. You are responsible for the house of the Lord. You need to feel the weight of that. You're building a house. One of the greatest things that I saw during 2020 is a church that was built on the foundation of God's word. And we've never before in the history of America seen churches close at the rate that they're closing. Over the next two years, you will continue to see church after church after church close. It's epidemic, and I'm not kidding. 2020 was the death blow to a lot of churches. And, you know, honestly, maybe it should be. Some of them needed to go. But when you walk through a storm and you're still left standing and thriving and growing in the middle of it, something's different about that foundation. that, That storm doesn't lie. It exposes what's happening on the inside. And the same is true with your marriage. Pressure and time and problems and issues and storms are gonna bring out either the truth of God's word in your marriage or the faulty foundation that you built on. And in that moment, something has to change, either you or God's word. But you can't keep building and building and building, making a bigger kingdom for yourself and thinking that I can neglect the foundation. Storms will come and they will prove what you've been neglecting. So as we're digging into God's word I want to show you not just the houses but I want to show you the the keys to building a stormproof house. Jesus's words were very specific about how to get through the storms of life, how to build upon a sure foundation. How, and I want to give you I want to give you three basic principles that God's word tells us that you can apply to your life right now. So we're going to we're going to tailor this uh, especially for men, but this is Understand that Jesus says for everyone that's building a house, he says everyone. But on Father's Day, I wanna speak specifically to men because you'll you'll understand this. The first key to building a stormproof house is to check the soul, not just the oil. I thought that was funny. Check the soul, not just the oil. As the famed theologian Johnny Cochran says, if the glove don't fit, you must acquit. If it rhymes, it must be true. Check the soul, not just the oil. For anyone that's ever driven a car that just burns through oil, you know what I'm talking about. Check the oil. It's the last thing dad would say, hey, check that oil. Because it may be smoking, that just means it's running. It runs hot, but check the oil. There's nothing worse than driving a car and watching a rod go straight through your hood. <laughs> Uh-oh, time to call dad. <laughs> Forgot to check the oil. The oil matters. Ladies, it matters to keep oil in the car. It, it matters. It does, it does serve a purpose, believe it or not. Check the soul, not just the oil. You see, we will get so busy making sure that our things are maintained, we'll forget to look through spiritual eyes. The soil that you're building on has drastic consequences. And the soul matters when it comes to what you're building your life around. Check the soul. When Jesus was asked, what do you mean by soil? When you're, when you're talking in agricultural terms, when you're talking about what we build into our foundation, what does that mean? He says this in Luke chapter eight. He says, seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart. So it's a heart issue who hear the word and retain it. That's what good soil means. So I'm looking at my life and determining what am I building my life on? I have to start with checking my heart. Is my heart submitted to the authority of God's word or is it submitted to what I think is best? Is my heart for God? Is my heart submitted to him? Is my heart willing to let his word speak into my family, into my life, into my business? Am I willing to do it his way or am I going to continue to build on a sandy foundation? Your soul matters. You know, life has a way of... of, of throwing a ton of information at you, and it's difficult to retain the things that matter. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about when you graduated by the skin of your teeth. <laughs> like That's a lot of information. It's a lot of stuff to process. I was doing some, uh, some research this week, and it says that the human brain gets 11 million bits per second of information, and your brain only processes about 50. That means your body is screaming at you all kinds of different things that are going on constantly. And you're gonna pick out and choose about 50 that you can handle. And think about the the massive amount of media and games and visual and entertainment, all these things that are clawing for our attention. And if we don't make time to not just hear, but to retain, to bring it into our hearts and then to act upon the word of God, we're building on a faulty foundation. You're surrounded by information. Now, in my opinion, uh, that information, man, some of it's valuable. Some of it's not valuable. I know all the lyrics to Ice, Ice Baby. Is that valuable? It is to me. I can break it out at parties, karaoke, I'm your guy. I'll prove it sometime. Maybe. I know the lyrics to a lot of stupid songs, I know them all. Does it matter? Can I recall scripture? Can I apply scripture at the right time? Check the soul. Check your heart. Check the amount of information that you're retaining and say, does this really matter? Can I build my life on the lyrics to a Vanilla Ice song? (laughs) No, you should have stopped, collaborated, and listened. (laughs) Check the soul, not just the old. Why? Because wisdom that isn't godly is a sandy foundation. I know people that live their life by the lyrics of a song. They do. Well, the song was good. That's my, that's my song. That's my jam. I live my life by that. Dumb. <laughs> that's really dumb. It sounds good. It makes sense. It rhymes. It, it must be wisdom. Here's the second thing I want to let you know. When you're building a stormproof house, when you're building a stormproof life, don't just check the soil. But number two, you have to understand that hearing ain't stepping. Somebody from Texas, say amen. Amen. Hearing ain't, it's not the same thing. Hearing ain't stepping. Notice this, both builders, wise and foolish, Jesus says, they heard my words. They heard them. It lets me know that we can hear the greatest sermon from the greatest teacher, and if we don't take a step, we miss the point. This is where we are as a church today. Many of us will come and sit in a church, hear some great things, not from me, but from somebody great. But if you do nothing with it on Monday, did it matter? Did it matter? So for those of you that are parents, um, imagine if you will, put yourself in my place. If you, if you go past your children's room and you say, hey, company's coming over later on tonight. I need to make sure that your room is clean. Pretty direct. Pretty easy to understand. You made sure that the headphones were out. Like, what'd you say? Company's coming over. Make sure your room's clean. If I come back in two and a half hours and my children were to say to me, you know what, Dad? I felt what you said earlier. I felt it. I felt the authority. It intrigued me. I've been studying for the past two and a half hours on what that meant, and it blew my mind. When you said, company's coming over, clean your room? I I now know what the Greek word for clean room means. (laughs) I looked at the Hebrew. I got it. I figured it out. It blew my mind. It's great. I'm going to tell everybody. I have a new understanding of a clean room. Did you clean your room though? Oh, that's what you meant by that. Hearing ain't stepping. Hearing ain't stepping. You can hear the Word of God, but if you don't retain it and you use it in the right situation, you're building upon a foolish foundation. The Word of God makes no difference because you've never used it. You've never used it. So when we talk about stuff like sharing your faith, and the Holy Spirit gives you an opportunity to do it, you're like, "You know what? I understand. I should be sharing my faith. Wait, wait me. Yeah, I, I have to be led. I, I don't feel led. You didn't mean that. I understand it. Surely you didn't mean that. Not me. Hearing ain't stepping. Proverbs 16, 9 says, We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. There's a big difference between planning and stepping. We're called to not just be hearers of the word, but James says, We are doers of the word. He doesn't even say speakers of the word. Some of us say we can hear it and I can speak out the word of God. Can you do it though? Can you live it? There's a difference there. And Jesus says, he who hears these words of mine, you gotta hear it and then put them into practice, which brings us to our third point. Not as it just check the soil, not just hearing ain't stepping, but number three, practice makes perfect. I spent most of my, uh, my athletic career avoiding practice at all costs. I'm what you call a game day Kind of guy. And I'm not kidding. I spent three years playing high school football at a 5A school, went to one practice on the first day of my freshman year, and realized a very important, profound thing. Most athletes are dumb and they're going to fail that first six weeks. I can pass my classes, and coaches will be desperate for guys to start that first game, and I'm your guy. (laughs) We had 12 people fail. Hello. Which position would you like me to play? I'm now a starter. What positions are we gonna run? I don't know. We're just gonna have fun with it. We're gonna see where it goes. (laughs) I'm not even joking. That is exactly what I did. I learned, practice? Practice. Who needs practice? You practice like you play. like, yeah, and I had fun. (laughs) But Jesus says this, he who hears my words, and I want you to notice, he says, and puts them into practice. He never says, put them into perfection. And this is where I think we get caught up We say, if I can't do it perfectly, I won't even try. If I can't figure it out and nail it the first time, then what's the point of even trying? And we give up before we even get started. The enemy has so many people clouded behind this idea that you can't do it perfectly like somebody else did. They're way better than you, so that must not be your gift. But he says, he who hears these words of mine and then puts them into practice. Just practice, just try You know, we don't get mad at toddlers that are learning how to walk when they fall over. We celebrate it. We think it's cute. We grab out a camera and start snapping photos. This was awesome. They're taking their first steps. But in the church, they are afraid to walk. What will people think if I actually start trying? What do they think if I mess up? What do they think if I miss Or What do they they think if I'm going to not quite get there? I can't do it as well as you can. He says, you've got to hear my words and put them into practice. Just Try. I wanna challenge you today about your practice. And that may mean something different for you. For some of us, you've never read the word of God in your life. You may have come to church all your life but never read it for yourself. I wanna encourage you, let this week be the week that you take a Bible challenge. The easiest way to do that, by the way, is on YouVersion. Take the one-year Bible, click on that, and just just start somewhere. I've done this. I read the Bible through every year. I read multiple translations, just to give me something new. I like to look at it from different perspectives and different ways. But the Word of God is an important thing. If you if you've never done that, I want to challenge you to do that. If God's asking you to take a different step, would you practice this week? Would you would you take one step? Would you try? Because I promise you this: there's more storms coming. And they will expose what you've cut corners out of and what your life is built on. Your marriage, your children, your city, and God's house. All of them face storms. All of them have issues. All of them have their share of pain. And you're building four of them, whether you know it or not. You can be living securely in one and neglecting the others but at some point I want you to see the importance of what you're building and the importance of what you're building it on because storms will come and in those moments, is it the word of God that comes to the surface or is it your flesh? Is it your sin nature? What is it? I walked through a bit of a storm this week, maybe nothing like what you've walked through, but I'm gonna end it this way. Um, I, uh, I spent the week in Colorado Springs at, uh, hanging out with some other pastors. We were doing a lot of cool stuff. It was great. I had a great time. And then uh, on Friday, I had to fly home. I had a super early flight. So I had to get up at 3 a.m., be at the airport by 4.30 to catch a 6 o'clock flight. And so this flight was extremely early. I hadn't got much sleep at all. I hadn't slept much the two nights before because I don't sleep very well in hotels. I got to have my wife beside me. If she's not there, I'm just like, uh I need somebody to put their cold feet underneath me so I can get angry and go to sleep. <laughs> it just works. I don't know why. I thought I detested it. Turns out I can't sleep without it. So three o'clock came really early. But I grabbed my flight from Colorado Springs, Friday DFW, and they said it's gonna be about three hours before your plane gets here. It ends up being a late plane. So I'm already like, oh, I just wanna go home. I haven't had any sleep. I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to go home. And now my plane is late. But I don't say anything. I don't do anything. I keep my temper. Keep it in check. Well, the plane deboards when it finally gets there. And normally you have about 30 minutes for a plane to switch over. Well, they switch this plane over Turn it over in eight minutes, extremely fast. So a whole group of people, she's just called them, the the stewardess called them all up at the same time, all rows, all seats, all property, everybody just come right now and get on the plane. I'm like, okay, that's a huge crowd, all kind of jockeying for a position, people elbowing each other, trying to get on this plane. So I said, I'm gonna sit here in the front row and wait till everybody else gets in line, then I'll just step up at the very, very end. Uh, My my seat was at the front of the plane, so I thought I'll let everybody else get settled and I'll come in there and uh, I'll, I'll be the last one in. So the, the people are walking down the gangplank to get on the plane. They're stopped there waiting to get on. And I was like, okay, looks like that's about it. So I step up. The lady in front of me that's working for a certain airlines, I won't say the name, but it represents a country, <laughs> steps in front of me, closes the door, says, no, you're late. And I start laughing. I'm like, that's, <laughs> what? The plane was late. I'm not late. She said, no, the plane's closed. I'm like, no, it's not. There's still people getting on. They're four foot in front of me. Nothing separates me from them but a door that you shut she said well I've already shut the door so the plane is done we gotta push this thing I'm like that's not true we've still got a lot of time before these people get settled into their seat they still gotta get on the plane they still gotta put their bags away they gotta sit down they gotta put on their seat belts we got tons of time you're late not my problem I'm like lady I don't live in DFW I can throat punch you no one knows who I am that's what I wanted to say, but I didn't. <laughs> she says, you're gonna need to talk to a supervisor. I'm like, well, can we get a supervisor here to just unlock the door? She says, let me call my supervisor. Picks up the phone. Yeah, there's a guy here that showed up late for the plane. I've already closed the door. Should I leave it open or should I let him on? No, close the door, he's done. Yeah, you're done. I'm like, whoa, can I talk to this person, to person? Can can just be, come on, this you don't have to do that. She's like, you can catch the next flight to Longview. I'm like, there are no other flights to Longview. It's Longview. <laughs> she says, well, we have another one leaving at 5:30 or 6. Let me see. No, there's no room on that one. We'll put you on standby. Maybe you'll get on that one. I'm like, I'm not staying here overnight. That's not happening. I'm ready to go home. I said, please, lady. I've been up since three this morning. The plane is still boarding. There's still 12 people waiting in line to get on the plane. Just open up the door. It's not that big of a deal. She said, it's not happening. You're late. That's your problem. Mm. I walk over to customer service. I'm like, can someone please just grab a key, open the door, and let me on? The plane is still here. It's still boarding. Just unlock the door. She said, no, sir. I'm the supervisor. You're late. It's your problem. Hands me back my ticket. I'm like, please don't do this to me. This is not right. You know that you can do this. It's not that big of a deal. Just unlock the door and let me on. I'll get out of your way. It's not happening. You go figure it out. I'm like, mmm, mm, mm. Mm, Jesus help me. Jesus help me right now. End up having to call an Uber to drive me from DFW airport to Bucky's in Terrell. I said, "Sweetheart, would you please come pick me up at Bucky's? Would you drive part of the way and come pick me up?" Absolutely, of course you would. So I get into this Uber, which I'm already angry, and I've just walked out of DFW. And it's like 104 degrees. It's hot. And how many people know that sleep plus anger, plus hot, does not bring out the Jesus in me. And I get into this guy's car, and he's a sweet older guy. He's, he's like, Mr. Ingram, Mr. am so glad to have you. I'm, I'm gonna take you to Terrell. Things are gonna be fine. No air conditioning in his car. like, dude, I'm fat, and I don't do well. do well. like, I just wanna take a nap. I just wanna sleep in your car or something. Just turn the air. So we got the windows rolled down. And it's a smoker, and you're like, oh man, come on. Like just the stale stench of smoke. We pull out of that, get stuck into Dallas traffic, and we're just standstill. He finally turns around, looks at me, says, Mr. Ingram, I'm like, Yes, sir. He says, I'm so sorry, I've taken two diuretics today. I've got to go to the bathroom. I'm like, Of course you do. He pulls over to the side of the road. Not kidding, <laughs> jumps out, runs out to the side of the road and relieves himself while I'm sitting in the hot car on the side of the road going, this is my day. This is my day. <laughs> he comes back in, I'm so sorry, man. This is, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm like, dude, you gotta go, you gotta go. I understand. In those moments, I begin to think about this message and <laughs> begin to realize what's my life built on because when you get a little storm, it may look nothing like your storm this week, but it was real to me when you're hot, when you're tired, when you're angry, when you feel like you've been abused for no reason, when you try to talk sense to someone and be nice, that person has just pretty much let you have their worst day. In those moments, what comes out of you? I'm sitting in that car with no air conditioning, that smells, with a guy that can't even drive more than 15 minutes without having to use the bathroom, like this is gonna take forever to get out of here. What do you do? So I shared my testimony with him. And to share about the love of Jesus. And he began to tell me his story as he began to cry, listening to mine. I had the most amazing time talking about the goodness of the Lord. He said, I've spent most of my life being an addict. I lived on the streets. I've been homeless until just a few years ago. He said, But at 70 years old, I finally turned my life over to the Lord. I've been trying to do this by myself for a long time because I burned a lot of bridges. But God's woke me up, and He's given me a life. And now I have this job. He said, I'm 70 years old, but I'm clean and sober now. He says, and this car is the first car I've owned in decades. It's the nicest thing I've got. And I'm like, yes, it is. This is a blessing. This is a blessing from God. This is a blessing. Pull over again. Go for it. I'll join you this time. Let's see what happens. What comes out of you when storms hit your life? What comes out? Does it bring out your best? Or does it bring out your sin nature? Because storms have a way of exposing your foundation. I don't always get it right. But I'm not always hot and fat and angry either. (laughs) What's your life built on? God has set a sense of eternity in your heart. A sense of building something that matters. So is it your kingdom? Is it built upon the wisdom of man? or is it built upon the wisdom of hearing and applying his word? Would you bow your heads with me as we finish up? I wanna speak to anyone today that's walking through a storm. Your family's been attacked, maybe your marriage has been attacked, maybe it it might be your body, your physical health has been attacked, you feel like you're walking through a storm. For some of us that are seeing the, the call in our city, You feel God stirring your heart for your community. You're seeing the things going on with your neighbors, with your friends, with your coworkers. There's storms happening all around us. I want you to know that you're building a house there and you may be living securely in one and neglecting the others. For some of us, it's the house of the Lord. You've never thought about your contribution to the body of Christ. You've never thought that your life is much more than just your home what about God's house have you made that a priority do you have a zeal for the house of the Lord has it consumed you like it consumed Christ do you have a passion for the house of the Lord I'm praying that God will wake that up inside of each of us today that you will recognize the houses that you're building and the foundations that you've built on it's never too late to start over right where you are, if you're walking through a storm in any of those areas, with no one looking around, would you just lift up your hand and say, that's me, pastor, that's me. Wow, yes, 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 yes. For those of you watching online, if you're walking through a storm, just give us a thumbs up in the chat, like, that's me. We wanna pray for you. We wanna intercede on your behalf. We want you to know that you're not alone. And I'm believing that the same God that sent his son to speak peace over storms can absolutely speak peace to your storm right now. So, for those that need healing, those that need help, those that are looking for hope, those that have had their minds awakened to what God is asking you to do, I want you to join your faith with me. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that as we take your word and apply it, it brings life. It puts us on a firm foundation. It allows us to continue to build on your wisdom and not our own. Father, I pray that we would not just live securely in one house and neglect the others, but we would recognize the importance of the life that you've given us and how it affects the world around us. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in our lives Help us to become part of the solution, not part of the problem. Lord, we want to be your kingdom builders. We want your kingdom to come and your will to be done in our families, in our marriages, in our children, in our children's children, in our cities, in our churches, Lord. Let it be your kingdom, not man's kingdom. Come and have your way. Lord, I speak peace to every storm represented in this room. I speak to the wind and the waves. Silence. Be still. Be still. Settle down. You're done. Lord, we take authority over every storm. By the authority of the name of Jesus Christ, we speak peace. peace, 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 in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to just give an invitation for anyone who may be watching online or who may be sitting in this place today that does not have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe there's never been a time in your life where you've asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins. Or maybe you used to walk with God, but you've gotten away from him and you need to come home. My friend, if that's you, I wanna invite you to pray a prayer with me. I'll tell you what to say. I just wanna help you like someone helped me one time. Right where you are, pray with me. The prayer goes like this. Just say, Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe that you came, died, and rose again so I could have life, forgiveness, and healing. Will you forgive me? Will you take over? I give myself to you right now in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, my friend, if that was you and you just prayed that prayer with me all over this place, would you just go ahead and look up at me from where you are? Good, good. For those of you watching online, if that was you, give me a thumbs up in the chat if you would. I prayed with you, Pastor, I did that. If that's you, I wanna invite you to take a step of faith, to not just hear something, but to actually take a step of faith. On the screen behind me, on your screen, there's a prompt for a text. Would you text me? Text the words, I prayed, to 844-HRC-TEXT. If you do that, I'm gonna send you some some things that will help you and encourage you. It's my free gift to you. We just wanna celebrate what you've just decided to do and show you what to do next. It'd be our pleasure to do that for you. Good for you. Thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. Well, High Rich family, go ahead and look up at me if you would and stand to your feet. For those of you that are watching online, we love you. If you do us a favor and share this message on on all social media platforms, it's always an awesome honor when I watch you use your social media to spread the love of Jesus and the message that God has given us. It's an amazing thing, so thank you for that. I'm gonna invite our elders and their wives here to to the front of this platform to remain right here when the service is over to be able to pray with you about anything that you might need prayer for. We would love to pray for you. Also wanna let you know over the next six weeks, my family and I will be on sabbatical. We're taking a little break and vacation, a much needed rest. And our elders have encouraged me like this is the perfect time to do it. We have fought through wars together. It has been a whirlwind of junk for the past year and a half. But our foundation is sure and true and it's time to take a break. So we're gonna shut this thing down. But notice this. Over the next few weeks, you're going to have some of the most amazing speakers that we could afford. <laughs> Honestly, some of the most amazing men that I know are coming here to give fantastic messages. And it's, uh, they've been really looking forward to, uh, to meeting you. So I want to encourage you, when you come here over oh, the next few weeks, notice that just because I'm not here does not mean that you cannot laugh if somebody's funny. If they're not funny, laugh anyway. Yeah. But support them if you would. I believe that it's, it, I, I just love when I talk to a pastor that's been here and they're like, man, those people are fired up and they're with you and they're ready and they're paying attention. I'm like, yes, that's my friends. So thank you for that. I appreciate your prayers as we continue to relax and enjoy our time away. Um, please, that doesn't mean that you can just leave. Don't leave. Stay here and support those guys. Um, I think it's, it's gonna be good for you. For everyone else, I'm gonna pray for you and bless you as we go. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the practical application of it. I pray that you would continue to bless each and every person as they take your word and apply it to their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you go. I hope you have an amazing Father's Day and don't fly America.